Good afternoon and welcome. It's midday. I'm Tom Hall. Thanks for being with us today. We're going to continue our series of conversations with the candidates. I'm spending some time with candidates for key offices in Baltimore City, the House of Representatives, and the U.S. Senate. My guest is Shannon Sneed, a former Baltimore City Council member who is running in the Democratic primary for City Council president. While the mayor, or with the mayor rather, and the comptroller, the city council president holds one of three citywide offices in Baltimore government. Many council presidents have been elected as mayor after serving as the chief legislative officer of the city. The council president becomes mayor if the mayor is incapacitated or resigns from office. That's certainly happened a few times. Four of the last five mayors of Baltimore served as council president before taking office in the city's top job. Shannon Sneed ran in the primary for council president in 2020, placing second in a field of seven candidates. She lost to Nick Mosby, who is the incumbent. He's also a candidate this year. City Councilman Zeke Cohen is also running for council president. Shannon Sneed served one term on the council from 2016 to 2020, representing the 13th district. She also ran in 2022 in the Democratic primary for lieutenant governor on the ticket with Tom Perez. She's a graduate of the University of Maryland Eastern Shore, and she holds a master's degree in communications from Morgan State University. She is 42 years old. She lives in Reservoir Hill with her husband and daughter. Shannon Sneed joins me in Studio A. You are welcome to join us as well. Our number here at Midday, 410-662-8780. Our email, midday at WIPR. Miss Sneed, welcome back. Good to see you. Thank you for having me. So the first time you ran for city council, back in 2012, I guess, you lost by like a handful of votes. I mean, you could literally count them on one hand. You ran again four years later, and you won. So you clearly you know, wanted to be in public service. You wanted to be on the city council. You ran. You won. You're a first-term council member, and you surprised a lot of people by deciding to run for city council president, having uh, not even completed a full term. Um, Then you've done some other things, you know, since then, and now here you are back running for council president again. What about, what is it about this job um, that is so appealing to you? Why do you want it so much? Tom, when I look around and when I talk to other people, um, what's happening in Baltimore City, we saw it. We saw the poll. People are frustrated. Um, they're not happy. They're asking for change. Uh, they want change in leadership. Um, and so I'm going to say I'm so qualified because, one, like you said, I've been there. Um, the, the communication, the legislation that we've put in as a first-time council member, um, being a, a woman of the people, being a fighter for working families. Listen, it's no one who has been a bigger champion than I have been for working families. And I say that because I was raised by a, a single mother who had three children children. Uh, One had a hole in her heart. She was always sick. um, And my mom still provided for us. And so I look at it the same way. I have to provide um, and be a champion for people that are in the same situation that I grew up. Um, And so that's why I say until we have a champion, um, a fighter for families uh, in City Hall, um, then I'm going to run. I'm going to make sure that I be that representative. And so that's exactly what I'm doing. So what do you see as the capacity of the city council president to affect change? I mean, when it comes to the problems that everybody 
uh, you know, sites as the things that are a priority, uh, violence and public safety. Uh, what can the city council president and the city council, for that matter, do about that? What can the city council do about education? What can the city council do about uh, transportation or housing, affordable housing? You know, these are, are difficult issues. Um, it's hard enough for a mayor to have uh, a real impact uh, in a lot of ways. Um, how about in a strong mayor system like we have here in Baltimore, uh, you know, how, what, what do you see as the capacity for this position to make change? Um, Tom, I'm going to say that th through our legislation, don't re remember that we are the legislative body. Um, our job is to put in bills, to put in laws. That is the job of the legislator. Um, and so I would say by the bills that I've put in in the past, Tom, uh, to make sure that we have our top officials living in Baltimore City, Tom, to make sure that we actually have... Um, I put in a bill that said, listen, you can't just fire folks when new contracts come in. Um, you have to make sure that you give them time to give them their, their house in order. Um, I would say making sure that most of our homes are headed by uh, single women and, and making sure me putting in a bill, a lactation bill, to make sure that our children are healthy and safe from the beginning um, so mom can get to work to take care of the responsibilities of taking care of their children, uh, to make sure they are paying their bills so their houses are in proper order. To me, those are the things that make it different. It still goes back to policy. And then it's the other things that we want to make sure that we're doing as the city council president. When you talk about education, everything to me ties right back to education. We got to make sure that our, one, our parents are engaged. We definitely need that. We've tried it so many ways, but we need our parents to be engaged. Number two, I have to constantly say, I have a daughter in Baltimore City Public Schools. Uh, my daughter is seven years old. She attends Commodore John Rogers. And my daughter, I say, it, should, it shouldn't matter what school your child is in, that they should be able to learn and to thrive. Um, but if they're not receiving a proper education, if we're not making sure that our schools and our students have the resources that they need, then they're already going to be failing. Um, to me, Tom, when you talk about transportation, my daughter, actually, her school is uh, going through uh, being knocked down. And so they're in a swing space. Um, and so she has to get on the school bus. Other students have to get on public transportation to get there. Making sure that our students show up to school is another part of it that we have to make sure that our students are getting to school. There are Complex issues, uh, but the council and the council president has to view it from the whole city to make sure that we're doing our job, that our kids can get to school, that our parents can get to work, um, and that our services are actually working. And so to me, when I look at it there, I, I have some questions. I have com some concerns, and we're seeing it firsthand that not all of our students are, are making it to school on time. Uh, not all of our parents are having or have jobs. Um, and so we got to make sure that. So is there a part. law that can fix that? There's there's definitely partnerships, Tom, um, and I believe that uh, making sure that we have the that we're in the community, making sure that we listen to our residents, you help with that there. You're speaking up, and so yes, we have a part in this. You know, because I, I think of things like um, the conduit deal with BGE which the current city council president, Nick Mosby, and others on the council opposed. Um, but the mayor got it through. 
um, the issue of redistricting, uh, because the census called for uh, juggling the districts to, to even out the number of people that people on the council would represent. Uh, the council held hearings and came up with a plan and came up with a map that they thought was superior to the one that Mayor Scott proposed and didn't go anywhere. Mayor Scott got his way. Um, it, as when I mentioned, you know, it's a strong mayor system. Um, you kind of laughed. He said, "Oh, tell me about it." You know? Right, because so we know is. that the 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 council president chairs the board of estimates. Uh, we know that the mayor has uh, three votes there, um, and so I've been on the other side to say we need to change that. Um, we don't want essentially. It, it, we don't want the. Uh, two people, two other people on the on the board who will just rubber stamp what the mayor uh, wants, and so, so you that, think the size should be reduced. I actually do think the size should be to three be, people. Yep. So I, the comptroller, the city council president, and the mayor. Yep. Mm-hmm. I do. Don't need the other two. The department you don't of because you're just right. you're just rubber stamping it for your boss. Um, and so why why have that? So I think that that's a change that needs to happen. Um, and then again, it's still can go back to the people. Um, the people still said, no, you had uh, Mayor Young at the time saying, don't do this. This isn't a good idea. Um, and so you had people on the other on the other side. Former Baltimore City Councilwoman Shannon Sneed is my guest. She's here in Studio A to join our conversation. We're at 410-662-8780. Our email is midday at wypr.org. Ms. Sneed is running again for city council president here in the city of Baltimore in the Democratic primary on May 14th. We have a caller from Charles uh, Village. Uh, Ian or Ian, welcome to the show with Shannon Sneed. Thank you very much. Um, My question, Shannon, and uh, good afternoon, everybody. Um, I'm happy you brought up the Board of Estimates because that's actually exactly what my question is. You mentioned how city council president Nick Mosby sits on the Board of Estimates. Board of Estimates helps determine the city's budget, but yesterday in court, federal prosecutors were saying that Nick Mosby had repeatedly committed perjury on his tax returns. So if he's having trouble with his own budget, you know, how is he supposed to, on the Board of Estimates, come up with our city budget? Do you have any, you know, response to that or any thoughts about the Board of Estimates? Listen, I would say I'm going to just going to take it back to me. Um, when I, I'm running full-time, um, I've ran before in the past, um, and I've always had the conversation with my husband. We always, you know, got our home in order, and we made adjustments in our home. Um, so that means not spending as much, um, making sure that, you know, our bills are paid. I mean, I can only go on what my husband and I have done, uh, so it won't ever be in uh, conflict of interest um, and making sure that we we do what's right by our home. Um, I wish them all the best, but I, again, I can only go on my on what I'm doing, and so I'm preparing. I've always prepared. Um, listen, I am doing public financing because I'm just sick of the pay to play, the pay to pay culture. Um, that's a, a, a huge reason why I've decided to do public financing. Um, I want to make sure that. And you're talking about financing of your campaign. Yes, financing mm-hmm. of the campaign. I wanted to make sure that we actually are serving and listening to the people of Baltimore City. 
um, and that there's not a conflict of interest. And so I don't know if you know about public financing, Tom, and that I'm doing well, this public is, this financing. Is a, yeah, this is, I do want to ask you about this. This is a law that was passed by the city council back in 2019, the idea being more people would be able to run if they didn't have to you know, raise uh, tremendous amounts of money. Um, both of your opponents in this uh, race have you know, raised substantial amounts of money. Nick Mosby, I think the last reporting period, uh, was around 188000 uh, And Zeke Cohen, the current uh, council member from the 1st District, uh, considerably more than that, I think more than twice that. Um, in the five hundred thousand, I don't have the number in front of me, but um, it's it's considerable. Um, but you're you're under a hundred thousand right now. So. No. So what happens is we raised over two hundred and twenty thousand dollars, Tom, because we actually did matching funds. Um, so with public financing, when you are a public fin- finance candidate, and again, we voted for it. I like to say I made history because I was the first to actually qualify to be a public finance candidate in Baltimore City, and so. Uh, the Baltimore City residents, when they donate, when they donate low dollars, um, it's matched. Um, the first 25 is a 9 to 1 match, and then it becomes a, a sliding scale. So, for an example, when someone donates $25, that's a big deal um, because that $25 becomes $250. And remember, a lot of times in, uh, people in Baltimore City are not making a lot of money, right? Um, or they have other priorities, but they want to make sure that they have skin in the game, um, that you hear what they're saying. In the past, and my other opponents are using doing it though. The, 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 I'm going to say the old-fashioned way because here's a chance uh, to have a clear record uh, to really stand for the people of Baltimore. This is something that we voted for. Uh, this is something that the people of Baltimore City voted for as well. Um, and so we're using it. We're taking advantage of it. Um, and it's also showed that we are um, about the citizens of Baltimore City with the low-dollar donations um, and, and that we're like Shirley Chisholm, unbought and unbossed. As a practical matter, um, what do you need to do strategically to counter the fact that, uh, you know, you've got two opponents? And we should say, by the way, that um, Council President Mosby has not yet registered with the Board of Elections. He's got until February 9th to do that. Um, so he's he's not actually officially uh, registered as a candidate to be on the ballot. You are, uh, and Mr. Cohen is, to my knowledge. But um, in terms of as we get closer to May 14th, um, you know how the, the game works. People buy TV ads. They buy, uh, they, they do polling. They have workers, uh, staff, etc. Uh, and if they have the money to pay for that, they're, they're able to do that. Will you be able to, you know, Absolutely. Ha- forge a path to, to win Absolutely. this Absolutely. I think in, this, in the last race time, uh, we raised over $300,000 in uh, the city council president's race, and we were able to go on television. We were able to do mail. Um, we were able to get our message out and so we did radio and so we've already raised more than we did the last time at the filing deadline uh, I, I think we raised over our goal um, and so I'm proud of that that's and, and and to me Tom the most important part is it's the Baltimore City residents that have supported we got over 400 uh, Baltimore City residents to support to say yes we believe in the system and we believe in you if you look at the others financial 
reports. They're developers, they're they're business people, but they're not Baltimore City residents. And so when you look at it from that perspective, we have the support of Baltimore City residents, and that's what matters. I'm not saying that everyone who uh, has donated and contribute will go and vote for us, um, but I think they will. I'm going to say that they are. <laughs> um, but that's a that's a huge start. And again, people know me. They know the work that I've done. Um, they know that I've been around. I, I haven't dis- disappeared. Even from our race from 2011, when we lost that race, then we still got back up the next day and we're set a community meeting. You know, we have not disappeared, and that's the most important people. The most important part. People know that I'm a hard worker. That I am. Uh, I have integrity. Uh, I, 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 I'm ethical. Um, and I'm experienced. And to me, um, no one else has that. And so, listen, Tom Perez picked me as his lieutenant governor for a reason. I'd say, you know all about me. Uh, the people know all about me. I've done the background checks. I had to show seven years of our taxes. They said, listen, if baby Ray, <laughs> my daughter, if she they would if she had an, uh, social media accounts and all that, they would have investigated her as well. We've shown over the years that we have nothing to hide. And so I'm very proud of my record. I'm very proud of the legislation that I put in. And we worked very hard and we worked with people on both sides. Um, you know, people who have not been so happy about legislation, but who were still willing to sit at the table and have a conversation so we can get common sense legislation through. And to me, that's what matters. Former Baltimore City Councilwoman Shannon Sneed is my guest. She's with me here in Studio A as part of our Conversations with the Candidates series. Ms. Sneed is a candidate for City Council President in the Democratic primary. It's on May 14th. You can join our conversation when we come back from a quick break. Our number here at midday, 410-662-8780. You can drop us an email, midday at wipr.org. I'm Tom Hall. Stay with us. This is your public radio, 88.1 WYPR. And welcome back. It's midday. I'm Tom Hall. By the way, coming up tomorrow on the show, my guest will be NPR's Aisha Roscoe. She's the host of Weekend Edition Sunday, and she's edited a book of essays that chronicles the joys of an HBCU education. HBCU grads, both well-known and unknown, write about what their alma maters have meant to them and the trajectories of their successful careers. It's called HBCU Made, a celebration of the black college experience. So Aisha Roscoe will join me tomorrow to talk about it on Midday. If you've just joined us today, my guest is an HBCU grad, Shannon Sneed, a former Baltimore City Councilwoman who is running in the Democratic primary to be the next Baltimore City Council president. To join our conversation you can call us at 410-662-8780, or you can drop us an email, midday at wipr.org. So when we talk about uh, some of the things that you've uh, put on your website that you want to accomplish if you're elected, uh, reducing youth violence uh, by having diversion programs, diversion and deflection programs. We were just talking about that yesterday here on the show. Increasing funding for city schools, 
you know, adding positions to the youth works programs, stuff like that. Um, this is done in the context of uh, some by some estimates a hundred million dollar deficit uh, in the city of Baltimore. So. Obviously, you know, elected officials have difficult decisions to make about what the priorities are. How do you see the current budget and the outlook for the budget uh, moving forward? Uh, and how can we accomplish some of the things that you and others are talking about doing, given uh, the fact that you know, there's going to be some scarcity? Well, Tom, let's, I feel like let's be clear about this. I feel like the top priority has to be uh, making sure that our city uh, is safe, essentially. Um, and to me, I've already said it, crime, is a, um, crime and education to me are tied. Um, and so to me, uh, education, making sure that we, that our students have what they need on the front end so we don't have to pay for it on the back end. Um, it has to be where we spend our money will show where our priorities are. And so if we are essentially making sure that our students are well-educated, have the resources that they need, uh, if there are students who are not going to school, and we know that, I'll give a great example. I was training, I was over at a training facility in CIA over in uh, Southeast Baltimore. Um, they were like, they sat down with the school system and said, listen, we'll take all their students who are not coming to school um, so they can have a path to being successful adults. Um, that means, hey, you'll get some training. You'll get some training being a mechanic. You'll get some training to uh, HVAC. You'll get some training on electrical work um, or CDL driving. And so to me, we got to make sure that once our students are falling off, that we grab them and we have the resources um, and we have the partnerships to get them back on the right track. And so when they become adults, we're not taking care of them on the back end, that we're doing everything we can to possibly keep these young people on track. And that's what I'm saying. We need parent engagement. we got to get our parents engaged. And so to me, when you talk about the budget, yes, we'll definitely have to make some decisions. But I always think at the top that it has to be making sure that our students are educated uh, making sure that our students have training to become successful adults. Um, and hopefully crime goes down because of that. Crime is going down because of Lord knows what. Uh, Mayor Scott credits the, uh, the GVRS strategy, the Group Violence Reduction Strategy. Uh, he created this office, uh, MONSI, the Mayor's Office of Neighborhood Safety and Engagement. Uh, it's involving uh, violence interrupters, safe streets, uh, ROCA, uh, it's involving job training, it's uh, lending a hand when it comes to things like transportation and daycare, I mean, down to the nitty-gritty of, you know, making people's lives uh, a little bit easier. So uh, if they are inclined to uh, commit violence or have violence committed on them, uh, they're able to, to see a path out of that kind of life. Um, your opinion of the GVRS, I mean, if Mayor Scott is reelected, uh, clearly that will continue. Uh, if his main challenger, Sheila Dixon, is uh, elected, uh, then it's up for grabs because she has uh, spoken uh, considerably less enthusiastically about the strategy than, than Scott has. But um, your, your, your take on why uh, our numbers are better than they used to be. We're at 263 for uh, 2023 in terms of homicides, and that's, you know, 63 people fewer than the year before. So I would say that it, it, it's a hand, all hands, 
everyone has to be a part of the conversation to making sure um, that our young people are on the right track. Um, and so the people that are actually doing the work that are out there, I commend them. It's not easy. I commend the mayor uh, or, or any leader who's willing to sit at the table to say, this hasn't worked. L- let's some kind of way come together with a plan uh, to make it work. So let's make sure that our young people are housed. Let's make sure that our young people are connected with jobs. Uh, let's make sure that our young people have mentors. I worked at Big Brothers Big Sisters. I was a mentee, a mentor to a, a, a little um, before I even got into this, right? I believe that people need mentors, um, but I also believe that our, our, our mentors start in our household. And so with that, that's I'm like, all hands have to be on deck. This is just not one person's problem. Uh, this is everyone's problem. We are a village, essentially. And so we want to live in Baltimore City to have a safe neighborhood, to have good communities, uh, to have good schools, to have resources in our community, have supermarkets in our community. And it takes all of us. So back to your question, do I think the mayor essentially uh, his program hey, if it's working and we see the numbers, and that's when I say about transparency, um, we want to see the numbers. We want to make sure that it actually is working. And for the stuff that's not working, we have to go back and do it over again. So as long as as a city council president, we can have a hearing and you can break down the numbers. And I believe that they actually produce the numbers monthly um, from that department to the council. So you know it right away whether something is working or what's going on. So you're not totally blind to what's happening inside the mayor's administration when it comes to violence. Um, And so I would say to that end, we got to keep on making sure that we do the right thing when it comes to, and all hands on deck, that we support making, having a safer city in Baltimore City. Um, Some of the mayor's opponents have complained about communication between the mayor's office and the council. Um, How do you see the council's How would you grade the council's uh, effectiveness as an oversight body uh, over these last four years during the Scott administration when it comes to police, when it comes to housing, when it comes to DPW, when it comes to uh, violence reduction? I mean, and would would uh, if you were elected city council president, would that oversight function look different? Would 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 change things? It 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 would. And and remember, I'm a Baltimore City resident here. So I'm one of the ones when, you know, trash doesn't get picked up or when recycling doesn't get picked up, I'm wondering what the heck is going on? My my tax payment wasn't late. (laughs) Um, I'm like, what what's happening here? And so I'm asking the same questions. And so that's um that's how sometimes I know that we are not doing our best um because it's affecting me. And so I know if it's affecting me, it's affecting uh, a bunch of other Baltimore City residents as well. And it shouldn't matter what neighborhood you live in, what district you live in. Um, we should have the services um, that's required of our local government. And so as the city council president, when stuff goes wrong, I'm going to have that hearing. When money is missing, why is money missing? Where is it? We're going to have a hearing and figure out what's going on. And so you want to see that. We did it in the council before when I was on the council um, when uh, we couldn't figure out the whole police budget because that's the biggest budget for our $4.4 billion in Baltimore City. We brought, we had quarterly meetings. We came in, we went line by line to figure out what was going on. And so the same thing should be happening um, 
when we have questions about other departments in Baltimore City or our programs that we're supporting in Baltimore City. I get residents ask all the time, they come up and say, well, I don't have enough information about this or I don't know about, I don't know about this. We can have a hearing about it to ask those questions. We've, we've seen it before. People even ask about safe streets all the time as well. We don't have enough information. What are they actually doing? Well, we can ask those questions. I'm a former journalist. Listen, I was rolling and, and watching, playing back tape from the, the Board of Estimates to the City Council meetings. We can ask those questions. Those things can happen so we can get the residents the answers that they deserve. That's, this is their but, line. But, but are you of the impression that now there is a paucity of that information? that it's not accessible, that we don't have enough information, we don't have enough data about safe streets, for example? We, oh, we, we, we don't. We, we, we definitely don't. We know that. We, people ask it all the time. We definitely don't. We know they say, hey, we have to protect certain people or we're trying to, um, we can't divulge that information. I feel like when it's taxpaying money, um, we just have to be transparent and clear. And so you can hide whoever employee that is, um, but we want certain questions answered or the people want questions answered. And I think that's okay to answer those questions to show. Listen, it's 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 Baltimore City. It's Baltimore City government. We want to be as transparent as we can be. We want to be as honest as we can be to make sure that the residents know we're not wasting their money. We're not wasting their time. And to make sure that programs are actually working. If there's something going on in DPW and the, and the trucks are not making it there on time, why not? Is it a staff issue? Uh, is it a truck that's broke down? How many do we have in the fleet? What's going on? Those are questions that should be apparent um, that residents can know right away. It's their money. Is the delivery of city services um adequate and acceptable to you. Uh, again, opponents of the mayor say that that's one of the big weak spots of the Scott administration, that the, the city services that people should be able to come to expect, um, recycling, pickup once a week, for example, is only one of them. Um, but, but if there's a complaint um, that I hear from folks on the street and from uh, the folks who come in here uh, running against the Scott administration in one way or the other, it's that the city that the city is not providing the basic services to the degree that it needs to. What's th- your opinion? I think the mayor said something like that. He said there we don't have the proper trucks. Uh, I think I've heard him in the past say uh, they don't have even GPS systems on. Like there are certain things uh, that is hindering them for doing the absolute one percent job. Uh, and so one. Kudos to the mayor for acknowledging that it is wrong, but now we then have to do the next step to make sure that we actually address it and fix it. Um, and I is there like, a role for the city council in that process? Listen, we actually get the budget pass, thing? right? <laughs> we we get the budget pass, and so not only the mayor, the ma- but the mayor is, is, is turning. Forgive me for interrupting, but the mayor is, is sat in the seat that you're sitting in and said it's not a matter of money. It's a matter of supply chain. We can't get the trucks that we ordered 18 months ago uh, for DPW to be able to pick up the recycling. And, you know, we're going to start it as soon as we get the trucks. And the trucks haven't 
uh, haven't showed up. I mean, so it, it's not necessarily just money. Uh, they're offering bonuses to people. They're, you know, it's a shortage of CDL drivers, commercial drivers, licensed drivers. Uh, so they, they not only not have the trucks, but then they don't have the people who know how to drive the truck. But we are a part of it because essentially as the city council uh, and the city council president, we want to make people aware of what's going on. And so we're having these hearings and we want to make sure that people know about them. And so we got to remind people... You, you can watch it on television. Um, you can tune in to the actual council hearings. You can view them. You can watch the council meetings on Monday. Um, we can ask, again, we, we, we can ask those questions, but we still have to make sure as a communicator that the people know about it. And so if they don't know about it, sometimes we have to point the finger back at ourselves because it's no good if I just know the information. Everyone has to know the information, and we have to tell our own story to get it out there. And so that's why I'm like, it's important that we have a media. It's important that we have journalists covering the story, that they're on certain beats, because people still do watch the news. People still do listen to podcasts. Podcast. And so we want to have those conversations and it's important that we get those messages out there. So we do definitely have a role. What's your opinion of the appointment of Rich Worley to be the police commissioner? You know what? It's funny. I met with the Baltimore student leaders um, and that was one of their questions. Uh, apparently, they I got the feeling that they... These are high school kids? These are high school kids. They had some really good questions, Tom. Um, I was on a hot seat, but I felt really good that I answered their questions and I explained uh, the history of some of the things that have happened in the city or just being a journalist covering it and knowing about certain things. But that was one of their questions as well. And I said, listen, I worked with the commissioner before he became the commissioner as a councilwoman. Um, I worked with him before I even became a councilwoman when I was just a regular resident in Baltimore City. So I've had conversations with him. Um, and so I felt like, and I'm being uh, honest, that we have done it the other way of having outsiders come in uh, to be our commissioner. And I felt like we needed someone inside um, who did have the respect of other officers there. And so we could work in our communities and work within the organization because we know we have a consent decree. We want to follow that. Please, we want to follow that. Um, but we also need people to get on board. And I'm not sure if I felt like in the past officers have got on board um, with an outside commissioner. So I believe that he's someone that we needed right now um, at this time who I, from what I've heard, gets the respect of not only the community, but also the, the folks within that are on the streets. Is it the fact that uh, Michael Harrison came from New Orleans that led to the reluctance to embrace the consent decree uh, by people on the force? And because, you know, Commissioner Harrison uh, would admit that that was the case when this thing started. Um, there's been some good uh, judicial rulings about uh, compliance with the consent decree. Uh, two of the major uh, parts of it, uh, the judge has said uh, the department has satisfied. Um, but was it was it the problem that, that, that Mike Harrison was from New Orleans or was the problem was that the consent decree itself? Um, it would probably, and I'm not an officer, right? So I'm hearing things secondhand, but I would probably say there was 
a little both maybe um i'm not but i'm not sure don't don't hold me to it i, I would say let's bring in an officer and, and ask them um but i think it's difficult when i say hey i want us to clean up monument street we're at 605 you know and then you have to figure out where it is in the environment. I feel like if I call up the current commissioner now and I'm like, listen, hey, we're having a problem. Um, and you kind of already know what's happening over there. You can already assess the situation. So you'll be sensitive to my community. Um, you'll be you'll know in with the history of how maybe you you need to address it to calm the situation first, right? Um, and I'm not sure that without someone telling you that, I'm not sure that the other commissioners had that. Shannon Sneed is a candidate in the Democratic primary for Baltimore City Council president. We'll have more with former Councilwoman Sneed on the other side of a quick break. You can join our conversation when we come back, 410-662-8780. You can email midday at WIPR. I'm Tom Hall. Stay with us. This is Baltimore's NPR News Station. Member supported 88.1 WYPR. And welcome back. It's Midday. I'm Tom Hall. If you've just joined us, my guest today is former Baltimore City Councilwoman Shannon Sneed. She represented the 13th District on the City Council from 2016 to 2020. And this year, for the second time, she's running for City Council President in the Democratic primary. Nick Mosby, the incumbent, has announced his intention to run, as has First District Councilman Zeke Cohen. You are welcome to join us. Our number here at midday, 410-662-8780. And our email is midday at wypr.org. I want to ask you about the severe population decline that we've had in the city of Baltimore. We are under 600,000 residents for the first time since the 1800s, um, down from a million or so uh, back in the day, uh, you know, around the, the Second World War. Um, what is it that the the council can do legislatively uh, that can uh, retain citizens who are thinking about moving and attract new citizens to come in and live here? It's, it's funny. I remember when Mayor SRB uh, had That's Stephanie the, Rawlings Blake. Stephanie Rawlings Blake <laughs> had um, we were going to grow the population, and I'm like, yes, you know, back then, yes, absolutely. That's an I, I say, imagine if we would have kept that going and did everything that we could have done to essentially grow our population. Um, to one, to make sure that hey. Uh, taxes are lower, uh, quality of life is better. We're starting it, right? The mayor, the current mayor is definitely working to address the issues because I keep saying over and over again, I think we all have, if we don't uh, 
if we don't address the crime, the public safety issue, and the education issue, we are not going to gain young families. We are not going to keep the families that are here. Um, if we don't address the quality of life issues, um, those those things don't say we welcome people. We want you to stay. Um, and so legislatively, what we can do is start looking at the taxes um, to see how we can lower them. Um, it's to see to start having that conversation. What happens? Uh, if people are leaving, um, what do we need to do? I think Boston, uh, so I've been looking at a couple of cities to see what people have been doing because I believe that we're going to win this uh, election. And so I'm like preparing myself and looking over what can we do. Um, so taxes, um, growing the population, making sure that our schools are good. Legislatively, they all time, they, that's something that we all can do and we can be cheerleaders um, as advocates in our own little uh parts of the area um, to make sure that essentially we're getting those things done, that we're making sure that trash is picked up, that we make sure that we have the resources to get it, that we're working with whoever is, needs to bring in the trucks to make sure the trucks are properly equipped to get through all that we need to make sure that Baltimore City is, is safer, well, like cleaner. When it, yeah, when it comes to taxes, for example, there's an organization called Renew Baltimore. They tried to get on the ballot the last time didn't come up with enough signatures. They're trying again to attract, uh, to collect signatures, to be on the ballot here, to have a uh, plan, a predictable plan over the next six years, I think, to uh, dramatically reduce the rate of property taxes in Baltimore, cut them in half. Uh, because, you know, everybody knows, I mean, all the data shows there's three things that people consider when they think about where they want to live. Uh, taxes, the schools, yep, and public it. safety. Said it. So, yep. so when it comes to this plan and, and, and the, the idea behind Renew Baltimore, and I'm not endorsing it, I'm just explaining what's behind it, is that if there is a predictable tax rate over the next several years, and it's a lot lower than it currently is, that will attract business and uh, individual families to come to Baltimore. Do you, do you think that's the right approach? But we need more information on it. If you actually go to the website, it, it's no information up there. It's it's because I'm like I'm interested in it. Of course, I want to make sure that people are coming to Baltimore. If we have more people living in Baltimore, then we have more resources to give and to do in Baltimore City. But essentially, that's what I mean. Transparency. You, it's no information on the website for a regular person. Us here in this conversation, if they go to that website, it's not going to be any information there. Is there? So I can't even go and tell you be, because no one has sat down with me to say here it is, and no one should have to personally. A, but is there a strategy that you've uh, you know become familiar with? Maybe in one of these other so, cities. I mean, is the property tax rate something that the city council should you know actively, proactively? try to reduce? I think because so many, I don't think we can go anywhere in the city and people don't bring that up. And so, yes, but it has to go in a conversation with all of the three other things that you mentioned. We cannot help with property taxes if we're if we're essentially losing people the way that, that we're losing people. We're not going to gain anyone if folks are not willing to uh, send their schools, send their children here to go to schools here. We're not going to gain anyone if public safety is an, is an issue. So absolutely, we want to lower taxes. I don't know anybody who wouldn't. I'm a Baltimore City resident. I own a property here. Yes, I absolutely would. But we got to make sure that we actually do everything at the same time. You can't you can't just do one thing. So Yes, to answer your question. Yes, we want to lower the property taxes. Yes, I'm looking at different ways to do it. Uh, Boston, 
that one plan sticks out in my mind because they essentially were declining years ago and they still were able to get a plan into play uh, to and to decrease taxes. So we can do it. There's a possibility, but we got to make sure that it's going to work for Baltimore City. Shannon Sneed is my guest. She's a Democrat. She's running for city council president in the Democratic primary in May. Our number here at Midday, if you have a question or comment, 410-662-8780 or email midday at WIPR. Dot org. One ballot initiative that will make the ballot. Uh, it's supported by uh, David Smith, the new owner of the Baltimore Sun and the uh, former chairman of uh, Sinclair Broadcasting. They own Fox 45 and many other stations around the country is a referendum to reduce the size of the Baltimore City Council from 14 members to eight uh, what's your? Uh, how are you going to vote on that referendum? Can I just say I started my career? Uh, that's what made me move to Baltimore City is because I was a my first job out of college was at Fox Forty Five, um, and so listen, we tried it that way. Like you know, the council used to be a three member district. We've done it that way before. Um, and we then went to single. It was even bigger. It was even bigger. And so then we went to single member districts. And so if we are going to even cut it more, um, then that means we're almost going to be like our federal representatives where they never actually touch their city residents. Local government is local government for a reason, right? So you can touch and feel the people of your district. So you're getting firsthand concerns concerns and uh, when you're doing great, um, if you're essentially going to have bigger districts serving with one council member, we I, I just don't believe that it will be helpful to the constituents and to the residents that are living here. To me, it, it it's it's harmful because you already have residents saying, hey, the council members are not uh, listening to me or I can't find my council member. They're, you have some who say they, not me. Uh, <laughs> I was very um, in my community, walking the district, talking to my constituents, answering phone calls, calling people back emailing back, texting back. So not me, but there are folks who are not as good as that. And so that means that now you have more people with this one council person. I, I, no, no. There is a, a, a law that the city council passed two or three years ago about uh, reviewing the city charter on a regular basis. Um, the council has not you know, has, has not basically complied with that law because a, a council review commission uh, has yet to get off the ground. Um, what's your your sense of uh, the need for, uh, you know, regular reviews of the city charter? Uh, are there things in it that are outdated? Are there any things in the, in the current charter that you know you would want to target and revise or update? Yes. I mean, the way that we essentially live our lives, things constantly change. Um, things are steadily revolving. But sometimes it's like, well, we've done that. And so if you don't know the history and you're not reminded of it, then you can think you have this, you know, great idea. And it's like, 
but we've had it already. I'll still go back to one of the things that we need to change, board of estimates. Like, that's something that we need to change. Is it working? And I'll still go back to other city agencies and programs. It's nothing wrong with doing a check to see whether or not we're on the right track, whether it's working or not. And if it's not working, then we need to make some changes. That's how I would be if I'm a if, when I'm your next city council president. Absolutely, we got to go back and look at some things to make sure that it's actually working, or if it's not working. Um, we just have about a minute left. Uh, we have a email from Mark, uh, who says, uh, in working with your fellow council members and even the mayor, all of whom may have different opinions on what's right or expedient or possible, how would you parse that out and walk that line as council president? This this adversarial relationship that often develops between the mayor and the council president, is that productive for the citizens? Listen, I always think it's good to have uh, opposing views. I think it, it, it brings something good out. And so I think that part is okay, but we got to make sure that we keep the people at the center of what we're doing in the residents of Baltimore City. So, yes, let's come to the table with all our appeals and ideas, but let's make sure that we essentially do what's best for the people of Baltimore City. Through my legislation that I had passed when I was a city council member, we've done that. I know that I can work with many people on very different views and still come together to have a good product. So I'm saying as your next city council president, please check me out. Please go to Shannon need the number four baltimore.com i want to be your next council president i am ethical i have character i'm a hard worker and i would love to uh have your support former baltimore city councilwoman shannon sneed she is a democrat running for city council president i interviewed zeke cohen about his campaign for council president you can find that interview and all the interviews in our series of conversations with the candidates on the midday page at wipr Org. We have reached out to incumbent council president Nick Mosby uh, and just today the Baltimore Sun editorial board, this according to a tweet from Justin Fenton, our colleague at the Baltimore Banner, but the Sun editorial board has called on council president Mosby not to seek re-election. He has not yet filed with the board of elections, so uh, that uh, remains to be seen whether in fact he will remain a candidate for city council president. Next week our series of conversations with the candidates continues with Juan Dominguez. He's He's a Latino businessman who's running in the Democratic primary for Congress in the 3rd District. And coming up tomorrow, NPR's Aisha Roscoe, the host of Weekend Edition Sunday, joins me to talk about her new book, HBCU Made, a celebration of the black college experience. Coming up now, it's here and now. I'm Tom Hall. Thanks for being with us. Have a great day. You're listening to Your Public Radio. Member supported 88.1 WYPR.